Hi, my name is Joshua Marsingill. And this is Mary Marsingill. Welcome to the Abundant Encounters podcast, brought to you by Bibles for All Ministries at BiblesForAll.com. What you're about to experience is a practice and meditation that we believe will help you in your daily devotion to receive and celebrate real encounters with the real God. Through the process of increasing our value for encounters, we begin to cultivate a lifestyle of connection with the Trinity. God speaks today. Isaiah 30:21 says that whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. He uses visions and dreams, silence and things. Sometimes he laughs, sometimes he sings. In fact, while we speak with only some of these things, he speaks to every and all and with absolutely no limits at all. When we sow into God's economy, we reap a plentiful harvest. The seed is the word of God. The field is our heart. We hope this episode and others will help you push those seeds down even deeper. Water them with your gratitude and adoration so that deep roots and great big fruits grow and grow and grow. Grow so big that there'll be shade for others and you will build a history with the one and only living God. Proverbs 27:18 says, "Tend an orchard and you'll have fruit to eat. Serve our father's interest and you'll receive honor that's sweet." Let's pray. Father God, we come before you. We believe you are here with us now. You are here with us. We really love you. Our full affection is for you. We are yours and you are ours. We pray Matthew 18:18, 18, 18, Father God, that you'd send binding and loosing angels to us right here and they'd bind up every hindrance that would keep us from you and loose every revelation and encounter that you have for us to receive. We are yours and you are ours. Let's begin our encounter adventure through the Gospel of John. Let the story fill you. Pretend you've not heard it before. Hand over your imagination to the Lord and let him paint a picture. We're reading John chapter 1 through 3 today. We'll be reading chapter 1 and 2 from the Passion Translation and chapter 3 from the Mirror Bible. In the very beginning, the living expression was already there. And the living expression was with God, yet fully God. They were together, face to face, in the very beginning. And through his creative inspiration, this living expression made all things, for nothing has existed apart from him. Life came into being because of him, for his life is light for all humanity. And this living expression is the light that burst through gloom, the light that darkness could not diminish. Then suddenly a man appeared who was sent from God, a messenger named John. For he came to be a witness to point the way to the light of life. For he came to be a witness to point the way 
to the light of life and to help everyone believe. John was not that light, but he came to show who is, for he was merely a messenger to speak the truth about the light. For the light of truth was about to come into the world and shine upon everyone. He entered into the very world he created, yet the world was unaware. He came to the very people he created, to those who should have recognized him, but they did not receive him. But those who embraced him and took hold of his name were given authority to become the children of God. He was not born by the joining of human parents or from natural means or by a man's desire, but he was born of God. And so the living expression became a man and lived among us, and we gazed upon the splendor of his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, overflowing with tender mercy and truth. John taught the truth about him when he announced to the people, He's the one. Set your hearts on him. I told you he would come after me, even though he ranks far above me, for he existed before I was even born. And now out of his fullness we are fulfilled. And from him we receive grace heaped upon more grace. Moses gave us the law, but Jesus, the Anointed One, unveils truth wrapped in tender mercy. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor except the uniquely beloved Son, who is cherished by the Father and held close to his heart. Now he has unfolded to us the full explanation of who God truly is. And there were some of the Jewish leaders who sent an entourage of priests and temple servants from Jerusalem to interrogate John. They asked him, Who are you? John answered them directly, saying, I am not the Messiah. Then who are you? They asked, Are you Elijah? No, John replied. So they pressed him further, Are you the prophet Moses was said was coming, the one we're expecting? No, he replied. Then who are you? They demanded, We need an answer for those who sent us. Tell us something about yourself, anything. So John answered them, I am fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. I am an urgent, thundering voice shouting in the desert. Clear the way and prepare your hearts for the coming of the Lord Yahweh. Then some members of the religious sect known as the Pharisees questioned John Why do you baptize the people since you admit you're not the Christ, Elijah, or the prophet? John answered them, I baptize in this river, but the one who will take my place is to be more honored than I. But even when he stands among you, you will not recognize or embrace him. I am not worthy enough to stoop down in front of him and untie his sandals. This all took place in Bethany where John was baptizing at the place of the crossing of the Jordan River. The very next day, John saw Jesus coming to him to be baptized. And John cried out, Look, there he is, God's Lamb. He will take away the sins of the world. I told you that a mighty one would come who is far greater than I am because he existed long before I was born. My baptism was for the preparation of his appearing to Israel 
even though I've yet to experience him. Then, as John baptized Jesus, he spoke these words. I see the Spirit of God appear like a dove descending from the heavenly realm and landing upon him. And it rested upon him from that moment forward. And even though I've yet to experience him, when I was commissioned to baptize with water, God spoke these words to me. One day you will see the Spirit descend and remain upon a man. He will be the one I have sent to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And now I have seen with discernment, I can tell you for sure that this man is the Son of God. The very next day, John was there again with two of his disciples as Jesus was walking right past them. John, gazing upon him, pointed to Jesus and said, Look, there's God's Lamb. And as soon as John's two disciples heard this, they immediately left John and began to follow a short distance behind Jesus. Then Jesus turned around and saw they were following him and asked, What do you want? They responded, Rabbi, which means master teacher, where are you staying? Jesus answered, Come and discover for yourselves. So they went with him and saw where he was staying. And since it was late in the afternoon, they spent the rest of the day with Jesus. One of the two disciples who heard John's words and began to follow Jesus was a man named Andrew. He went and found his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Anointed One, which is translated the Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet him. When Jesus gazed upon Andrew's brother, he prophesied to him, You are Simon, and your father's name is John, but from now on you will be called Cephas, which means Peter the Rock. The next day Jesus decided to go to the region of Galilee. There he found Philip and said to him, Come and follow me. Now Philip, Andrew, and Peter were all from the same village, Bethsaida. Then Philip went to look for his friend Nathanael and told him, We found him. We found the one we've been waiting for. It's Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth, the anointed one. He's the one that Moses and the prophets prophesied would come. Nathanael sneered, Nazareth, what good thing could ever come from Nazareth? Philip answered, Come and let's find out. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, Now here comes a true son of Israel, an honest man with no hidden motive. Nathanael was stunned and said, But you've never met me. How do you know anything about me? Jesus answered, Nathanael, right before Philip came, to you I saw you sitting under the shade of a fig tree. Nathanael blurted out, Teacher, you are truly the Son of God and the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe simply because I told you I saw you sitting under a fig tree? You will experience even more impressive things than that. I prophesy to you eternal truth. From now on you will see an open heaven and gaze upon the Son of Man like a stairway reaching into the sky with the messengers of God climbing up and down upon him. Now on the third day, there was a wedding feast in the Galilean village of Cana, 
and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were all invited to the banquet, but with so many guests in attendance, they ran out of wine. And when Mary realized it, she came to him and asked, They have no wine. Can't you do something about it? Jesus replied, My dear one, don't you understand that if I do this, it won't change anything for you, but it will change everything for me. My hour of unveiling my power has not yet come. Mary then went to the servers and told them, Whatever Jesus tells you, make sure that you do it. Now there were six stone water pots standing nearby. They were meant to be used for the Jewish washing rituals. Each one held about 20 gallons or more. Jesus came to the servers and told them, Fill the pots with water, right up to the very brim. Then he said, Now fill your pitchers and take them in to the master of ceremonies. And when they poured out their pitcher for the master of ceremonies to sample, the water became wine. When he tasted the water that became wine, the master of ceremonies was impressed, although he didn't know where the wine had come from, but the servers knew. He called the bridegroom over and said to him, Every host serves his best wine first until everyone has had a cup or two. Then he serves the wine of poor quality. But you, my friend, you've reserved the most exquisite wine until now. This miracle in Cana was the first of the many extraordinary miracles Jesus performed in Galilee. This was a sign revealing his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, Jesus, his mother and brothers, and his disciples went to Capernaum and stayed there for a few days. But the time was close for the Jewish Passover to begin, so Jesus walked to Jerusalem. As he went into the temple courtyard, he noticed it was filled with merchants selling oxen, lambs, and doves for exorbitant prices, while others were overcharging as they exchanged currency behind their counters. So Jesus found some rope and made it into a whip. Then he drove out every one of them and their animals from the courtyard of the temple, and he kicked over their tables filled with money, scattering it everywhere. And he shouted at the merchants, Get these things out of here. Don't you dare make my father's house into a center for merchandise. That's when his disciples remembered the scripture. I am consumed with a fiery passion to keep your house pure. But the Jewish religious leaders challenged Jesus. What authorization do you have to do this sort of thing? If God gave you this kind of authority, what supernatural sign will you show us to prove it? Jesus answered, After you've destroyed this temple, I will raise it up again in three days. Then the Jewish leader sneered, This temple took 46 years to build, and you mean to tell us that you will raise it up in three days? But they didn't understand that Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body. But the disciples remembered his prophecy after Jesus rose from the dead and believed both the scripture and what Jesus had said. While Jesus was at the Passover feast, the number of his followers began to grow, and many gave their allegiance to him because of all the miraculous signs they had seen him doing. But Jesus did not yet entrust himself to them, 
because he knew how fickle human hearts can be. He didn't need anyone to tell him about human nature, for he fully understood what man was capable of doing. Now we're reading from the Mere Bible in chapter 3. Now amongst them there was a man who was a prominent leader among the Jews, a Pharisee named Nicodemus. He came to see Jesus under the cover of the night and said to him, Rabbi, it is clear for all of us to see that you come from God as a teacher. The signs you perform are proof that God is with you. No one is able to do these signs you do if they are not in union with God. Jesus answered him emphatically, No one would even be able to recognize anything as coming from God's domain unless they are born from above to begin with. The very fact that it is possible to perceive that I am in union with God as a human being reveals humanity's genesis from above. Nicodemus did not understand this answer at all and said to him, How can a person be born if they are already grown up? Surely one cannot re-enter your mother's womb and be born a second time. Jesus answered, You have to get this. Unless someone is born out of water and spirit, there would be no possible connection with the realm of God. Whatever originates out of flesh is flesh, but what is sourced in spirit is spirit. Don't be so surprised when I say to you, you couldn't get here in the flesh unless you got here from above. We can observe the effect the wind has and hear its sound whenever it touches objects. Yet those objects do not define the wind. It comes and goes of its own accord. If life was not born out of spirit in the first place, it would not be possible to detect spirit influence at all. We are spirit, compatible by design. To which Nicodemus responded, How is this possible? What kind of birth can this be? You are the teacher of Israel, yet you do not know these things? Nicodemus, hear me. Our conversation stems from what we, humanity, have always borne witness to. We endorse what we have observed. How is it that your religious perspectives keep you so blinded to this? If I speak incarnate language to you, and you are not persuaded about our common origin, how will you be persuaded about heavenly things? No one can fully engage in heaven's perspective unless one's heavenly origin is realized. The Son of Man declares humanity's co-genesis from above. Remember how Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness? Even so, the Son of Man will be lifted up. In the same prophetic pattern, I will be lifted up for all to see and be equally persuaded in the echo of the life of the ages now redeemed within them. The entire cosmos is the object of God's affection. And he is not about to abandon his creation. The gift of his son is for humanity to realize their origin in him who mirrors their authentic birth, begotten not of flesh, but of the Father. In this persuasion, the life of the ages echoes within the individual and announces that the days of regret and sense of lostness are over. God has no intention to condemn anyone. He sent his son 
not to be the judge, but the savior of the world. Faith and not flesh defines you. In the persuasion of your authentic sonship, there is no separation or rejection. For someone to prefer not to embrace this is to remain under their own judgment, sustained by their futile efforts to define themselves through personal performance. In their stubborn unbelief, they reject what is revealed and redeemed in the name of the Son, begotten only of the Father and not the flesh. And this is the crisis. The light is here, right now. Yet people are so addicted to their own darkness that they prefer a life of labors, annoyances, and hardships. When someone is engaged in something worthless, they often fear exposure and feel threatened by the light. He who discovers the poetry of truth faces the light unashamedly. His lifestyle boldly displays the workmanship of union with God. His works speak for themselves, made in heaven, wrought in God. From there, Jesus and his followers went to the region of Judea and spent some bonding time there, immersed in conversation. John and his disciples were not far from there, at the place of springs, Anon near Salem, which made it a popular location for baptism. This was shortly before John landed in jail. Some of the disciples of John were disputing with a Jew, who was probably baptized by the disciples of Jesus. They debated about the meaning of these purifying rituals, comparing notes as to which baptism would be the most significant between Jesus and John's. They anxiously informed John that the one who was with him beyond the Jordan, whose life and mission he endorsed and bore witness to, is now attracting everyone to him. His baptism could put them out of business. To which John responded, Well, he obviously has heaven's backing, so let's not be jealous. Everything we have is a gift. You heard me when I said that I am not the Messiah. My mission was to introduce the Christ, not to compete with him. The bridegroom's best man does not compete for attention. He is appointed to support the groom and to greatly rejoice when he hears his voice. This is my joy. This is what I have come for. The significance of my prophetic mission was simply to elevate him. We are dealing with two dimensions here. The one coming from above presides over all, while the reasoning from a mere earthly perspective is confined to communicate from an earthly point of view. The conversation realized as originating in heaven has the final say. Even though I have seen and heard heavenly things, it seems to me that no one embraces what I have borne witness to. By trying to protect a fading prophetic perspective, you are missing the entire point. The shadow is eclipsed by the substance, not the other way around. Whoever lays a hold of this testimony has the evidence of God's truth embossed like the impression of a signet ring resonating in their inner consciousness. The theme of this conversation celebrates the extravagant love the Father has for the Son. 
and in him every gift of God is revealed. His hand extends God's touch. His is God's embrace of the human race. To be persuaded about sonship as unveiled in the Son is to fully participate in the life of the ages. To be unpersuaded about sonship is to remain in blindfold mode to life itself in the here and now and to exchange fellowship with the author of the life of our design for a fearful image of vengeful, merciless God. Quite the opposite of the loving Father the Son reveals. Aren't you glad that there is a conversation in heaven that is dead set on you being a son or daughter of the King of Life? A friend of mine, Abigail Holt Jennings, wrote a fantastic book about her experience being healed from cancer. Jesus used several encounters in her book that is called The Conversation in Heaven. How have you overcome through Jesus? Have you beat back the chains of your past? In what ways are you blazing a trail for future generations with Jesus? It's not a burden, it's an adventure with your very best friend, Jesus. The Gospels of Jesus are all so inspiring. They show us a Jesus who comes with intentionality to sort out our redemption, restoration, and total renewal in Him. Jesus' radical victory on display. Bill Johnson says, If he did these things as a God, I'm impressed, but if he did them as a man, I'm compelled to follow. Jesus was both God and man 100%. It is a paradox for our mind, but not hard to take in, really. The Gospels paint a picture of a man falling after the prophetic call on his life, a man responding to every single foretold word that God spoke through the prophets of the Old Testament until now. Jesus was pure victory. He was the realization, the expression of our God, the way he thinks, the way he walked and talked. Jesus was our reference for the living God. Jonathan David Helzer once shared an encounter about throwing crowns at the feet of Jesus. It was so beautiful that I couldn't put it out of my mind. I thought about it so much that I woke up one night and prophetically acted it out with the Lord. As I engaged in this prophetic act with nothing but the joy of its imagery and my sanctified imagination, I began to have an encounter with Jesus. Let's do that now. Jonathan described a scene where he'd thrown a crown at the feet of Jesus. Jesus then picked it up and put it back on his head. John threw it back down and then Jesus picked it up put it back on his head. This happened again and again until it became a dance. If it's safe to, close your eyes. Do you see Jesus there? Try to make out the features of his face. Is he smiling? Is there fire in his eyes? I want you to ask him a powerful question. Now, this may be hard for some of us at first, but I encourage you to press in deeper now and ask this powerful question. Ask, Jesus, how are you proud of me? 
Can you sense his gratitude? Okay, great. Now throw it at his feet. Ha! Now let him pick it up, carry it back over to you, and put it back on your head. Ask again, Jesus, how are you proud of me? Okay, great. Now you know what to do. Throw it at his feet. Begin to dance. Physically do so if you can. Start slow, but begin to move towards power moves. Dance with your heart. Dance like David did. Some say David danced his clothes off. A part of this dance is the crown. You throw it down to his feet. He puts it back on your head. Again, faster, faster. Make the motions if you're able. Can you see how much he knows you? His eyes of kind fire. He's smiling. He knows you. Believe it or not, this is heaven's version of taking inventory. By the end, you know what you had to work with. You leave into your day equipped by this crown dance. This is what the nations are in deficit of. You have what the world is lacking. You have more than you need. The cross has empowered you to dance through life with Jesus. Embrace this gift for the sake of the world. Today might be a big new day. Especially if it is the first time you used a prophetic act like this and got pulled into a real encounter with the living God. This determination may reveal how the same God has been encountering you for many years and will eventually reveal how God is really everywhere and in everything. The good news, He is for you and not against you. He's hidden there for you and not from you. Seek Him and find Him. Seek like a king before you share as a priest. What you begin to find and uncover will cross the boundary of word only and enter into your own truth. You'll begin to live there. Let's close by asking Father God to show us what He's doing today. Ask Him, Father, what is today about? Personalize this. If you know you're facing a difficult challenge of some sort today, ask Him about that specifically. Ask what He would do. Find the peace. Release and bless anyone you may be holding resentment towards. Make sure it's real and God's help will become real. We're not built to live on our own finite supply. We need His. We need all that Jesus paid for. What is your Father doing today? What is he saying? Find out. Write it down. Giving your thoughts a chance to get grounded as you're writing them out. This is it. This is how Jesus lived. He did what he saw his Father doing. He said what he heard the Father saying. I pray blessings on you. May you be prosperous today from the inside of your spirit, through your soul, 
and then out into every circumstance of your day. May joy, hope, peace overflow from within you abundantly. God is not short on encounters, my friend. I pray that the supply of heaven fill your life with infinite wealth in Jesus' name. To learn more, visit our website at BiblesForAll.com where you'll be able to buy a book and give a Bible. Our vision is that every man, woman, and child can have access to a Bible in their own language. We have adopted a sustainable business model to help achieve this. Visit Bibles for All today to learn more about how you can fill your bookshelf with the very best in Christian literature, while at the same time filling the world with the Word of God. You can also learn about our Book of the Month Club, where you can receive a book and give a Bible each month. Find out more at BiblesForAll.com today. On our next episode, we're continuing to adventure through the book of John. We'd also like to ask you to help us out by posting a rating or review today. Podcasts these days survive off ratings and reviews. We'd love for more people to hear these. And so if you like what you're hearing, then please give us a rating or even better, give us a full review. Take a look in the episode for other options to join. Click the link in the description to join our growing community online.